0: review some ideas, some very basic ideas about tefillah that we've discussed in the past, but nevertheless, to get us started again. Um, We talked about an idea that the Alter Rebbe says in L'Kutei Torah. Um, One of the foundational books of Chabad Chasidus is, of course, you have the Tanya. And after the Tanya, the two next most foundational books in Chabad this is from the Alter Rebbe, the same one who authored the Tanya, whose birthday is this coming Shabbos, right? On the 18th of Elul, the birthday of the Alter Rebbe and the Bal Shem Tov. Um, and the Alter Rebbe writes the book, the Lukute Torah and Torah Or. Um, really, it's like one set. Torah Or is on the uh, Chumoshim, and Bereshis, and Shemos. And Lekutei Torah is Vayikra, Bamidbar, Devorim. So it goes through the entire Torah. So it's in Lekutei Torah and the Parsha of Balak, where he makes a very beautiful, gives a very beautiful explanation about the primary significance of tefillah, of prayer. He mentions, and this is something we talked about probably a full year ago, he mentions that there's a debate, a halachic debate, if tefillah is one of the 613. Uh, We know that there are 613 Torah commandments, 248 positives, 365 negatives, and there is a halachic debate amongst the early halachic authorities if tefillah is actually one of the 613 or not. Uh, Maimonides says it is. Nachmanides says it isn't. That's the breakdown. Um, and to make a long halachic debate short, the, um, the more accepted approach is that the fact that we pray every day is not a Torah obligation. It's not a Torah obligation. It's rabbinic um, instituted by the men of the Great Assembly, which we'll talk about more a bit later. Um, so this, that we get up every morning and we say shacharis, the morning prayer, or mincha, or ma'ariv, it's not a Torah commandment at all. It's a rabbinic obligation. So the question that he poses in that Mimer, in that Hasidic discourse, is, if it's not one of the 613, does that show that in some way it's not so important? After all, there's 613 mitzvahs, and if tefillah of prayer didn't even make it into the list of 613 doesn't that put it in the second burner? You know, somewhere in the back. It's not so important. And at the same point, we know that in all Hasidic teaching, prayer is so emphasized and it's so powerful and so important and so much about the relationship and connection we have to Hashem. So how could it be that prayer, which seems to be at the center of Yiddishkeit, isn't even one of the 613? That's the question that he poses in that maimon And he gives this beautiful explanation. It goes like this. Um, we're told that the 613 mitzvahs correspond with 613 613 parts of the human body. Um, I said there's 248 positive commandments, and that corresponds with 248 limbs that we have. 365 negative commandments, and that corresponds to 365. In Hebrew, they're called gidim. In English, they're usually translated as sinews. We went through this before. We're trying to figure out what they are, but whatever it is, there's 365 sinews, 248 limbs. Now, most of us couldn't count out what are our 248 limbs and where are our sinews. But there is a Mishnah in the Talmud that actually talks about how many limbs there are in each part of the human body. It says how many there are in the hand and how many there are in the first part of the arm and the second part of the arm. And it, it breaks down the entire body and goes through the basic limbs. The Alter tarabic comments, he says, if you look at that Mishnah and you understand well all of the limbs that are being discussed, there is one part of the body that is absent, that's strangely missing. Which part is that? The spine. He says there's the head and there's the eyes and there's the heart and there's all the difference. And for some reason, the spine is missing in the breakdown of the body. In the Mishnah, where the Mishnah talks about 613 parts of the body. And the question is, How do you miss the spine? It's such a central part of our body. How is it that the Mishnah doesn't mention the spine as one of the limbs or one of the parts of the body? And the Alter Rebbe explains, he says, the Alter Rebbe says that um, the reason why the spine is not mentioned as one of the limbs is because the spine is not one of the limbs. The spine is the conduit. It brings the energy and the life to every part of us. The spine connects to the brain and brings from the brain the nerves all, to the entire system of the body, and gives life and gives vitality to every part of our body. So, the spine is not counted as one of the parts of the body, because it's the really essentially it's like the life force of all the parts of the body. Says the Rebbe in that Mimer, that's what tefillah is to Yiddishkeit. The reason why tefillah by prayer is not one of the 613 is not because it's less significant than one of the 613, but because it's the vibrancy, it's the life force behind every mitzvah that we do. In order that when we go throughout the day and we do this mitzvah or that mitzvah, or study this Torah or that, in order for us to do that with spiritual vitality and energy and holiness, it's going to be based on our davening, based on how much we were able to connect to Hashem during prayer. And the reason for that is, it's very interesting. The reason is, he says, because when we're doing any mitzvah, whatever it is, there's all different types of mitzvahs that we're doing. So we're doing a mitzvah because Hashem told us to do so. But what are we involved with when we're doing the mitzvah? With the particulars of that particular mitzvah. Like, let's say, for example, I'm doing mitzvah of, fill in the blank, a I'm to I'm having guests in my home, which is a wonderful mitzvah. So what am I busy with when I'm doing what's my involvement? with Setting the table, taking care of them, taking care. So of course I'm doing it because Hashem told me to, but my involvement is in the activity of that mitzvah. And whatever mitzvah it is, our actual involvement is not with Hashem. It's with the performance of that particular mitzvah. There's one place when our involvement is with Hashem Himself, and that's tefillah. When we're davening, we're not involved in doing what Hashem told us to do. We're involved in connecting directly to Hashem. And that's why, based on our tefillah, based on the, uh, the ability that we have to focus in, how much time there is, but we're able to focus and connect, that is going to directly impact the level of spirituality, the level of, of spiritual energy that I'm going to do the rest of the mitzvahs of the day with. And that's what he tells us there, why tefillah is not one of the 613, just like the spine isn't one of the body, because it's looked at as the central energizer, if you will, of all of the mitzvahs of our day. And therefore he concludes and says that no one should ever think that tefillah is somehow second fiddle to any other mitzvah, to the contrary, it actually is what gives the highest and energy to all the mitzvahs that we have. Um, with that he also explains something that we discussed from the Gemara, that it says that there's one number that keeps on reoccurring in tefillah in the Siddur. And that's the number 18, right? The actual center of tefillah is the Shmona Esrei, which means 18, because there's 18 blessings. Um, When we were going through, we saw that there was 18 brachas at the beginning of the Um, When we were in the Baruch Sha'amar, we saw 18 times Hashem's name. Throughout the tefillah, the number 18 is the most reoccurring number. And the Talmud says, why? Because there's also 18 vertebrae in the spine. But the Talmud doesn't explain what's the connection. So there's 18 vertebrae in the spine. Why is that connected to tefillah? Dr. Abbott says, but I told you why because the tefillah is to Yiddishkeit what the spine is to a bud. The spine keeps us alive, keeps us going, keeps us standing tall, standing straight. That's what tefillah, that's what prayer is in Yiddishkeit. And that's why we, we devoted our class to tefillah. And um, as soon as we finish going through the sitter, which should take another couple of years, um, <laughs> we'll think of what to do next. Um, <laughs> Okay, we'll have to continue there too. Okay, um, having said that, let's uh, give before we go particularly into the trila that we're going to look at tonight. Let's again just talk talk about the basic structure of the sitter of the shachris prayer. Um, we talk about davening, we talk about prayer, um, but there's really a lot of different parts to it, and a lot of different things that are going on when we pray. I'm, and now I'm, I'm talking specifically about the morning, the shachris davening of the of every morning. The shachris davening has sections to it. The most significant section of shachris halachically, the essence of, of tefillah halachikli is the amida, uh, which we call the amida, which means to stand, or the shmona esri. Um, if someone only has five minutes for davening, they're just in a total helter-skelter and there's no time, so the appropriate thing to do is say the shmona esri whether it's shachris or mincha, because that is the essence of tefillah in halacha. So that is one, and perhaps the most, in many ways, the most significant section of shachris is the Shemona Esrei. Okay, preceding the Shemona Esrei, we have the Shema, which is sandwiched in brachos before Shema and brachos after Shema. So that entire section is called birchos kriyas Shema and kriyas That really is from, in our siddur, from after the Yishtabach. Um, if you want to look, at, again, if you're looking in the same sitter as I, on page 42, when we start, Baruch atah Hashem, which is after the Yishtabach, that's the beginning of the brachas before Kriyashma. Baruch Hato Hashem, and that's called the beginning of Birchos Kriyashma. Now, we know any mitzvah that we do has brachas preceding the, pre, pre, preceding the mitzvah. Um, and some, it's unusual, have brachas after the mitzvah as well. Kriya Shema, the mitzvah of saying Shema in the morning, um, is preceded by two lengthy brachas. And that starts here, Baruch HaTosh It's the next paragraph, Hamayir it's and the next paragraph, Tisbarech. This is a long bracha that finishes on the bottom of page 44, almost the bottom, Baruch Ata Hashem Yotser HaMa'oros. That is Bracha A of Birchos Kriyashma. Okay? Everyone's with me? I know because uh, there's different types of sitters, different page numbers. I know it could be confusing. Um, okay, then there's a second Bracha before Kriya that starts Ahavas Olam. And that's the second Bracha which finishes with the words Baruch Ata Hashem. He chooses his nation, the Jewish people with love. That is the end of the second bracha before Kriyashma. Shema. Okay? Then we do the actual Kriyashma. The actual Kriya Shema is three sections from the Torah. The first section is Shema, and it goes until Visha Racha. That's a section from the Torah portion of, excuse me, V'eschanon. Um, the second section, the second parsha in Chumash Devarim. The next one is V'hoya im Shamoa, which goes to Al HaOretz. That's the second section of the Shema, and that is from the Torah portion of Ekev, which is the third Torah portion of Chumash Devarim. The third section of the Shema, Vayomer Hashem El Moshe, goes until Ani Hashem El and that is a Torah portion actually from earlier, from the Torah portion of Shlach, in the book of Bamidbar. Why that order? When we get there, we'll discuss it. But that is Kriya Shema. Kriya Shema, the reading of Shema, is these three sections. Again, the section of Shema, Vahayam Shema, Vayomer, that is the actual Kriya Shema. After Kriya Shema, we start with the words MS, Vyatsiv, Vinachon, that is the bracha after Kriya Shema. And that takes us until the Shemona Ezra. Oroch HaTo'a Hashem, Go'al Yisrael, that's a lengthy bracha that's after the Kriya Shema. So, really, so this section of, of davening, which starts right after the Yishtabach and goes until Shmone Ezre, is two long brachos, the Kriyashma, which is three sections, and one long bracha. That's Birchos, Kriyashma, and Kriyashma. That's another extremely important section of davening. most not? That most start with So, that's an excellent question. That's an excellent question. Um, every bracha will start with baruchata, aside from if it's part of a continuation. If the first one started baruchata, the next one that's continuing doesn't have to. So if you'll notice here, the first one started with baruchata, the second one did not, and the one after Krishna did not, because they're all part of the continuation. But the first one did. Always the first bracha will start with baruchata Hashem. We have the same thing in our benching right? Think about benching. The first bracha of benching starts, Baruch Hashem. The next bracha starts, No delakha. It doesn't start with Baruch Hashem, because it's a continuation. The third bracha of benching, Uvene Yerushalayim, doesn't start with Baruch Hashem, because it's a continuation. So that's a rule in brachos. When they follow one another, and they're in a con- continuation pattern, then the second or third doesn't have to begin with Baruch Hashem, and typically won't. But otherwise it will. Okay? Um, an interesting point I just want to make here. I don't think we made that in the past. It's, it's going to sound funny trivial way I ask it. But what's more important? Kriyashma Shema or Shmona Esri? No, obviously the question usually is they're both important. But but in, in level of halachic significance, we'll ask in that way. In halachic significance, you know, if I only have five minutes, which one? Kriyash Shema or Shmona Esri. I gave it away already. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. But I would like to... Uh, let me, I want to tell you something, and it's very interesting, that it depends. Not everyone around this table will the answer be the same for. Like, if, for example, there's me versus all of you. And the answer is going to change for a very interesting halachic reason. This is one of those halachic seesaws almost. And I'll explain. To say kriyashma every morning and every night is a mitzvah assei. It's a positive commandment from the Torah. Right? Tefillah, I just told you, is rabbinic. Okay? So what, com- what takes precedence? A, posi- a Torah positive commandment or something rabbinic? Typically a positive commandment. However, a woman is not obligated in the positive commandment of saying Krishna in the morning and by night because it's a mitzvah, it's a time-bound mitzvah. But in Tefillah, a woman is obligated. We discussed that at length at some point, that tefillah, a woman, carries the same obligation as a man, essentially, because it's a rabbinic halacha, the Shmona Esri, which applies to everyone equally. So, what comes first, Kriya Shma or Shmona Esri? So if one is a man, so Kriyashma is a Torah obligation, tefillah is rabbinic. So if a man only had three minutes on the clock, and it's Kriyashma Shma or tefillah in that odd situation, the Torah commandment is Kriyashma if a woman had the same three minutes on the clock, the kriya shema is not an obligation, but tefillah is. Are you following? So it's one of those interesting halachic quirks where it switches around, actually. But of course, all of this is only for a very extreme situation. They're both ultimately very, very powerful and very important. Kriya shema is the idea of kabbalas ol malchus shamayim, of accepting the yoke of heaven, and therefore it's of extreme importance, whether it's an obligation or not. So therefore, of course, both should be said. But as far as actual halachic um, importance, it changes from man to woman in this situation for that reason. But be that as it may, so we have here, these are two sections. Again, Kriya Shema, sandwiched by the brachas, two before, one after, followed by the Shmona asri. That's two sections. We're moving backwards. What's before Birkho's Kriya Shema and Kriyashma is what we call Psuke Dezimra. That's the verses of Zimra, of song. That's definitely rabbinic. Um, without any doubt, that's not like Kriya Shema HaShemon That is, to say it simply, to get us, it's really to prepare us for Kriya Shema HaShemon We sing to Hashem, we talk about Hashem's praises, in order to get us in the mode, in order to pick ourselves up a little bit. And that's what de Zimra is. de Zimra starts with a bracha and finishes with a bracha. It starts with which bracha? Baruch Sha'amar. Which is on page 30. In my sitter at least. And that's the Baruch Sha'amar V'hayoha Olam. That starts with Baruch Sha'amar. In middle you have Baruch ata Hashem. Elokeinu Melech Olam. And it finishes Baruch Ata Hashem melech Mulal Batish Bachos. That is the opening bracha of Psuket de Zimra. That's the Baruch Sha'amar. The closing bracha of Psuket de Zimra... Is is the Yishtabach, right? Which is on page forty one. Yishtabach, Tavach Cholad Malkenu, and again Baruch Atah Hashem, Kiel Malach Mulo Malach Yachid Cheho Alami. That is the closing bracha of Psuket Zimra. Um, so similar to Kriyas that started with a bracha and ended with a bracha, Psuket Zimra also start with a bracha and end with a bracha, right? Um, quick trivia question. Does the Shmona Esri start and end with a bracha? The Shmona Esri is all brachas. Right? Yeah. So it's not, it doesn't start and end. It's 18 brachas. It's 18 separate. So it doesn't have an opening bracha and an ending bracha. It's 18 brachas. But Shema is not about brachas. So there's a bracha before, actually two before, and one after. Sukhi de Zimra is not brachas. So there's a bracha before, and there's a bracha after. That's again, the Baruch Sha'omar is the opener. Yishtabach is the end of Sukhidizimra, and you have... I'm sorry? No? Sure. Because Baruch is kind of in the middle of our walk, it's at the beginning of the lessons of Shema. The Baruch is done at the end of Sukhidizimra, before we begin the Baruchos of Kriyashma. Okay. Right. So it's was kind of a significant point in the Right. And it is. It is. Um, you're with a minion. It, yeah, well, obviously. Right. You don't say Baruch without a You don't say Baruch without a minion. That's, that's a very excellent point. Um, it really is the difference between, until that point, it's much more preparatory. This is really where the real, you know, the Kriya Shema, which is a mitzvah, and Shmon Esrei, which is the mitzvah, the real mitzvahs of Davini start after that. And that's why it starts with Baruch. Until then it's again much more preparatory of getting into the davening. So that's a very very good point. Let me just ask you a question. Yeah. Last time I was here the Lashem Ucha you said you, do you say the Yud K Bivov K or Exactly you... the way you just said it. Okay, not with a Right. Yud K Bivov K. That's Why the way we said. it. We're saying it. Um, because of our carefulness of not saying Hashem's name. Um, once you start with Yod and the Hey, it starts okay. with Hashem's name okay. we okay. we have this tremendous in Der Khiras for not saying Hashem's name. Mm-hmm. That's the reason for that. Okay, so that is the Pesuki Zimra. Now, we are actually in the middle of the Pesuki Zimra. That's where we've reached in our sitter. But before I get to that, let's look backward in the sitter. What's before Psukhi de Zimra? So before Pesuki de Zimra was a bunch of different things. We had brachas. When we woke up in the morning, we said the brachas. Then we had brachas haTorah. Then we had... Um, the Adon Olam, we talked about the Akedah, the story of Yitzchak. Then we had all section of Karbanos. We talked about all the different sacrifices, because in many ways tefillah corresponds to sacrifice. Then we had the Hodu. All of that is, is I guess the general name for all that is Tfila Hashachar, the prayers of the morning. Um, all of that, there's no bracha involved. As far as, I, I take that back, but there's no bracha before, bracha after. It's just a bunch of different things that we say until the Baruch Shamar. Um, so, so really, the story of the sitter of chakras is until Baruch Shomer. That's one section. That section, until Baruch Shomer, really contains a lot of different type of things. Again, brachas, birchas the story of the akedah, karbanos, hodu, a number of different. I'm not going to say random, but but unconnected parts until the Baruch Shomer. That's why technically, um, if I want to speak, and it's Anywhere before Baruch Sha'amar, I can speak. Because they're not connected. It's not like one long bracha. So if I'm at the end of Hodu and I have to answer someone something, I may. There's not a problem with speaking in the end of Hodu or in the middle of Karbanos or in the middle of the brachas in the morning. It's not a halachic problem. Of course, we try to focus on our davening, but there's no halachic da- problem. Once we start Baruch Sha'amar, we shouldn't be speaking. Because Baruch Sha'amar is a beginning bracha for all of the Sukkid which finishes with Yishtabach. That's one part. It's one section of Dominic. In fact, if I would have to speak at some point after Baruch Sha'amar, where would be the best point? After yishtamach. After yishtamach. Yeah, but what if I have to before? After so after Yishtabach, Because I just finished the entire de Zimra and I didn't start yet Birchot So in other words, my place where I finish something and I'm starting something else, it would be at the end of un, un, Well, I'm sorry? I didn't no, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> no, no, you, no. no. I, but I'm saying, if you if you need to. If you need to, that would be the place where I would push it to, because that's... Again, you, you finished one thing, you didn't start the next thing. So that would be, the, if I again, if I need to, I, it, we should be clear, it's not the time to talk then either. But if I would need to, anywhere between Baruch She'amar and the end of Shemone Esrei, that would be the best place. Because over there, I, again, I finished A and I didn't start B. Okay? After Yishtabach, we start Birchos Kriyashma Kriyashma, that takes us to Shmona Esrei. After that, we take Shmona Esrei. That takes us till after Shmona Esrei. and then after Shmona is a whole different story. We'll get to that when we get to that. There also, there's a number of different parts of Tila, very interesting, whether it's the Shir Shalyom, Ankle Keno, Aleinu. Um, that's after Shmona Esrei. There again, it's not like a preceded with a bracha or ending with a bracha. That's already much more compartmentalized. That's the general picture of the Shachris Siddur. Okay. Having said all that, we are in the middle of Psukei Um What we did already in De Zimra, as we, we talked about the Baruch I um, Right after the Baruch Sha'amar, there's a beautiful uh, short paragraph, Mizmer La Soda, which is uh, chapter 100 of Sefer Tehillim, which talks about thanking Hashem, which is one of the most um, major themes in davening, etc., is thanking Hashem. Um, it also talks about Simcha, the famous passage of to serve Hashem with joy comes from there, from chapter 100 in Tehillim. And we say that in that l'soda that we have right there after Shmona Esrei. Is there a reason that it's not said in Shabbos and Yom um, There is. And the reason is because the Mismah Soda is connected with the Karban Toda, which was not brought in Shabbos and Yom that's why. And that's also why it's not said on Erev Pesach, because we didn't bring a carbon on in Erev Pesach also, because it's Chametz, whatever. So the times when we don't say it is because that day they didn't bring a carbon toda in the Beis Mekdash. That's a very good point. Okay. Um, we talked then about the Yehi and where that comes from, and I'm not going to review that. Then there was a, an entire section of the P'sukei de Zimra, which started with Ashrei, which Ashrei really is the most important part of the P'suke de-Zimra, we, we, we discussed that once upon a time, that the P'suke de-Zimra has a bracha before, Baruch Amar, bracha at the end, um, Yishtabach, and the most important middle is the Ashrei, And we even said halachically, again, they always get down to the clock, I only have five minutes today for Psukei Dezimra, Baruch Sha'amar, Ashrei Yishtabach, bracha before, bracha after, and the epicenter, Ashrei. So that is very, and even within Ashrei we discussed the middle pasuk, poseach es yadecha, is the most significant of the Ashrei itself, the bracha of Hashem opening His hands and, and filling the needs of all His creations. Um, okay, so that's the Ashrei, but after the Ashrei we have the section what we might call the Hallelukas, which is the last five chapters of Tehillim, right? Ashrei itself is chapter one forty-five of Tehillim. And the subsequent five are 146, 7, 8, 9, and 50. And that's the end of the book of Tehillim, which is 150 chapters. Um, and that's we, every morning, knowingly or not, when we're saying the Psuki Zimra, we're finishing the book of Tehillim. We didn't start from the beginning. Um, but, but we're finishing, we're saying the last six chapters of the book of Tehillim, which is, of course, by David HaMelech, called the one, Ne'im Zmiris Yisrael, the one who sang the most beautiful Zmiris, the most beautiful songs to Hashem. And we say the end of the book of Tehillim every morning in the Pesuchet de Zimra. That was the five sections of Halleluca. Again, we, we spent considerable time going through them. And then there was that paragraph all the way at the right after the last Halleluca on page 37. And on page 37, we have Haluka Halukil B'kotsho. That was the final chapter of Tehillim. Kol nishama ta halal ka is the last verse of Tehillim, that every soul should praise Hashem. Um, I don't remember, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I must have said then um, uh, what it says, a beautiful medrash. The word nishama, which is soul, also means nishima, which is breath. And kol ha nishama ta halal ka means with every breath we should praise Hashem. That really, that with every breath, we are praising Hashem just by being alive and continuing. Um, And with that, we finish the book of Tehillim. And then we have the paragraph, Baruch Hashem, La'olam Amin V'Amin, which, as we pointed out in our last class before the summer, is really a put-together of end psukim in different central places of Tehillim, where we're thanking Hashem for the ability to praise Him the ability to daven, the ability to sing his praises, and that's the Baruch Hashem Lalam amin v'amin, Baruch Hashem siy'an, Baruch Hashem alakim. These are different verses at end sections in the book of Tehillim. The book of Tehillim itself has many segments and sfarim, and this paragraph of Baruch Hashem is a collection of end psukim of sections of Tehillim because we just ended Tehillim. And that brings us to exactly where we are holding, by Vayivarich David es Hashem. Um, we're still in P'suchi de Zimra, right? We didn't finish yet. Um, but we've already done Ashrei and we've done the Hallelukahs. And now we come to this. What is this Vayivaruch David HaSashem? Where does it come from? What is this section? From here, really the next two big parts are this and then we have Shira Sayyam, the Az which we say every morning, interestingly as well. Where do these sections come from? And what are they doing in our Siddur? So, um, It's fascinating. Um, where they come from? Vayivarech David. Well, obviously was we said by David. David Hamelach. When? Where? So really, from Vayivarech David, from these words, until it's like smack in the middle. We don't even realize where we're going from one book to another. Um, if you look on the next page, on thirty-eight, where it says Umahalulim L'shem Tifartecha about seven lines, actually, I might, my, my my sitter even has page numbers. Uh, and I'm sorry, even has line numbers. Yeah. So on line, the end of line seven, Umahalulim l'shem tifartech. Okay, not all of your Siddurim are going to have that. But about ten lines, from the beginning of Vayivarach David, for about ten lines, it ends, V'ata modim mm-hmm. anach niloch, Umahalulim l'shem tifartech. All of that is straight out of one of the books of Tanakh called Divrei HaYomim. Divrei HaYomim is, I think, translated as Chronicles, Mm -hmm. right? At the very, Divrei HaYomim has two sections. At the very end of the first section, there is a description of the very end of David HaMelech's life. What did David HaMelech do on his last day? So, David HaMelech had a quest. There was something that he wanted to do more than anything else. What was that? To build the base on Mikdash. Right? David Amalek, you have to understand, is the one who brought the Jewish people to a state of complete independence in the land of Eretz Yisrael. Um, even though, you know, we, we already came into Israel with Yehoshua many years earlier. David Amalek is 400 years later, after Yehoshua. But until his time, there was still a lot of war, and the Pelishtim, the Philistines, were very strong in Eretz Yisrael. And throughout all of, after Yoshua, you had the Shoftim, and you had Eli Cohen, and there was always war. And that's why they never built the Beis Amitosh, Right? You have to remember, sometimes we think, like, we came into Israel and built the Holy Temple. Well, that's true. But 400 years later, 440 years later, first we were, we had the Mishkan in Gilgal, and then we had the Mishkan in Shiloh, then we had the Mishkan in Nov, and then we had the Mishkan in Givon. We never had a permanent place Because we weren't in a state of Shalom in the land. There was always war. There was always this. There was one person who brought it all to a final state and that's David HaMalach. There's a reason why David is called David Melech Yisrael, because he was the one who waged our battles and brought us complete independence and brought us a king. In fact, as far as the Rambam is concerned, David is called Mashiach. The Rambam says there's two Mashiachs. There's David and Mashiach we're waiting for. That's it. Because David is the one who brought us the first time around to complete salvation, and Mashiach, who we're waiting for, is going to bring it again. That's all in, in our history. There's no one else who carries that name, aside so from David Hamelach and Mashiach Zedekenu, whom we await. Right. So David Hamelach finished the wars, and he asks Hashem, "Let me build a holy temple." And he doesn't just ask; he actually acquires the land, and he not just the land, all the materials, and the gold, and the silver, and the metal, everything. David Hamelach gets everything he wants. And, and we know the story that Hashem tells him, yes, the Beis Hamikdash will be built, and it's thanks to your wars, and it's thanks to everyone, and it's where you bought the land, etc. But your son is going to be the one who's going to build it. So before David HaMelech passes away, he gathers Klal Yisro, and he talks about the Beis Hamikdash. He says, "I wanted to build the Beis Hamikdash, and I asked Hashem, and Hashem agreed, and we bought." And he he, he talks about all the materials that he bought in the land, and he says, "And now bless my son that he's going to be the one who's actually going to build it." And in that in that um, gathering is where he says these psukim he gathered all klal yisra. here he praises Hashem and thanks Hashem and these six or seven I'm going to remember psukim of Divrei hayamim are from that final speech or par- parting farewell of David Malach, talking about thanking Hashem and praising Hashem and enjoining his son Shlomo to build the base on Mekdash and blessing his son Shlomo, and that's Dov's last statements, and that's what we say. When, that's what we're davening every morning when we say Va'yivarech Dov. That is until the words V'ata like I told you, Modi manachnu loch. And now Hashem, we praise you, O Mahalulim, and we submit to you, L'shain to your to your to your name of beauty. Okay. Then we keep on saying V'ivorchu Shenk kvodecha as if it's one. As if it was one speech, but really, at this point, we have to stop. And really, it's fast forward five hundred years. The one who says the next statements from the words "vi varhu all the way until "vayosha hashem bayom ha-hu, right, which means till the end of this paragraph. And the entire next paragraph till kemo evan b'mayim azim, right? Everyone, everyone's mm-hmm. with me. Right. All of that is Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. Who is Nehemiah? So David Hamalech is going to pass away. First base of is going to be built by his son Shlomo. First base of Mikdash is going to stand for four hundred and ten years. It's then going to be destroyed by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. The Jews are going to be exiled and go into the galus of Babel of um, Babylon, which is ultimately going to become the the goal under the Persians, because the Babylonians are going to fall to the Persians, and then we have the story of Purim, and then, and then Ezra and Nehemiah are going to receive permission from the Persian emperor to rebuild the second Holy Temple, the second Beis Hamikdash. So we're talking four hundred and eighty years later, right? Because if David is, about to build, David is about to pass away and the first Beis HaMikdash is going to be built, now there are 410 years of the first Beis HaMikdash, another 70 years of Golos, and now we're back. And we're about to build the second Beis HaMikdash. And now Nehemiah is talking to the Jewish people. And from that talk is where these Pesukim are coming from. V'varuch again, blessing and praising Hashem and talking about what Hashem has done for us. All of this is straight out of the book of Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. One of the books of Tanakh is the book of Nehemiah. And again, from that word, V'varuchu, if you notice, I don't know if all of your shidurim have it, mine does, on the top of the word, V'varuchu, there's a little gimel. Mm-hmm. You see that? Yes. Footnote. Goes to the bottom, gimel, Nehemiah, Tess, Hay through Yudalif. Mm-hmm. That this is chapter 9 in Nehemiah, verses 5 through 11. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm in the beginning of Vayivarech David, I didn't show you, but there, they had that little Vav, which tells you, Divrei HaYamim Aleph, Chavtas Yud, then Khaftas Yud Aleph, and then Khaftas Yud Beis, Khaftas Yud Gimel. So Vay, Vayivarech David and Vacharos Imo habris, is really a put together of two sections, said, again, 500 years apart, by two different tzaddikim, David HaMalach and Nechemyeh. What's the common denominator? Vesamikdash. It's, it's right before we're going to build the first Beis HaMikdash, and it's right before we're going to build the second Beis HaMikdash. And of course, davening. When we daven, we're facing the Beis HaMikdash, wherever we are in the world at any point in time. The Beis HaMikdash is called, as we said way earlier in the Siddur, Ki Beis tfila Yikare Lechol HaAmin. Right? Um, that was said right before, or right after the um, Akedah, so we had that long paragraph, the Ribono Shalolam, with small letters over there. And there at the end of that, he brings the um a Pasuk from, from the Navi Yeshayahu, al um, that Hashem says, I'll bring you to my holy mount mount, you'll rejoice in my house of Tfila, al mizbechi. your olos, your sacrifices on my altar. Khi base yikari amin. My home. Says Hashem, my home, which is the Beis Hamikdash, is the house of prayer for all nations, and that ultimately every prayer. That's why today, we're thousand, almost two thousand years after the destruction of the Second Beis Hamikdash, we pray, pray towards the Beis Hamikdash, wherever we are in the world, um, and that's the Temple Mount, and and therefore when we're ending our Psukiyah de-Zimra, when we're getting close to end our Psukiyah de-Zimra, we finish with these beautiful Tzviles and praises to Hashem that were said by David Hamelach and Nehemiah. When they were holding, by building the first and second base on Hamikdash respectively, and we'll look a little closer and see some very beautiful um, shvachim praises of Hashem that they both chose to say at these at these very important junctions in history, when the two Batei Mikdash are about to be built. So, having said that, let's zoom in a little bit, just a little, just maybe a pasuk of David's and a pasuk of Nehemiah's and see some of the beautiful tefillahs that we have here. So, in David HaMelech's tefillah, we have a very, what became to be a very well-known pasuk, especially for those who learn some Kabbalah and Hasidus, because we always talk about the seven midos of Hashem, and the seven midos within our neshama, right? We know one of the great gifts that Hashem gave to us is that He created us in His form, as it says in the Khumish, which means that he built our soul um, as a model of himself. And Hashem created within himself ten general spheres, um, three intellectual and seven emotional. And therefore we also have those emotions within ourselves. And the reason why that's such a great chesed of Hashem, that he built our neshama in his likeness, is because that gives us the ability to understand more about him being that he created within within ourselves a system that in some way reflects his system, so now we have a way of understanding him. As it says in Eov, from looking at my own flesh, I'm able to gaze at Hashem, because Hashem created me in his likeness. So one of the most famous similarities is our build of our Midos. Which pasuk tells us about the seven Midos of Hashem? Right here. Dovah Allah said it that day, where we say, in, in my sitter, it's the last two words on the page: L'cha Hashem, Hagdula b'ashamayim L'cha Hashem hamamlocha In this pasuk, David described the basic seven midos of Hashem, not using exactly the same words we always use kabbalistically, but mostly the same words. L'cha Hashem, to you Hashem is Gedula. Gedullah is chesed. Chesed is the greatness of Hashem, that expansiveness that keeps on giving. Gedullah is always called chesed in Kabbalah. vha we talk about chesed, which is kindness, then gvura is severity. V'atif eras, which is beauty. Netzach, victory. Hod, splendor. And then it says, kichol bashamayim uva'aretz. Because everything that connects heaven and earth Kabbalistically, that's referring to the sphere of Yisod, foundation, which I'll talk about in a moment. <laughs> Royalty is Malchus. So we went through the seven Midos that is throughout, again, is Kabbalah. These are the seven Midos, which are the makeup of men. When we talk about, for example, the seven weeks of the Omer. So we talk about the week of Chesed, the week of Gura, Tiferes and, and Netzachod Yisod. Throughout, we're always, we always come up with the seven Midos. And that comes from this Pasuk, talking about the seven midos within Hashem. Um, in very short, right, a, a, a real discussion of the seven midos is definitely a class for itself totally, but in very, very short. The seven midos, there's a, um, you know, the fourth section of Tanya is called Igeres HaKodesh, the letters, and in one of them, I'm not remembering this minute which number, the Al-Triyabbe describes in very short um in very short, the idea of the seven midos, the way they are in the relationship, The way he, he gives an example of a father teaching a son. And he, said, he talks about how all of the midos come into play. And in, again, in very, very short, he says the following. The first mida to be a good teacher is chesed. That you want to give. That you have that feeling of kindness. You know, if you're, if you're teaching because uh, you have to make a living, that's nice, but that's not a real teacher. A real teacher, a successful teacher, is one who has the chesed that wants to impart. And wants to impart because they love the recipient. They feel for the recipient, so they really want them to know. And that's why the best mashal of teaching is a parent. Because a, a parent is the ultimate teacher because the parent cares most about the child. So I'm teaching because I love that child and want them to grow. That's chesed. But in order to teach, there has to be gvura. Severity. And the severity, Why do you need severity for teaching? And we're not talking about discipline severity. That's a different type of concept. We're talking about the severity within the parent to know what to say and what not to say. Because if the parent or the teacher just gives everything, the child won't receive anything because the child is not at the level of the parent. So the parent has to practice inner severity. Restraint. I would, restraint. Restraint. I would love to say everything and teach everything, but I have to hold myself back. Restraint, thank you. That's the givurah. That's a totally necessary part in chesed. Without givura, my chesed is not really chesed. Um, in fact, if anyone was going through today's section of Tanya, the way Tanya is split up throughout the year, he discusses how givurah is really a total partner of chesed. So that's givura. But on the other hand, there has to be tiferis, which tiferis is more the merciful um, feeling because too much restraint is also not good. If, there, if I'm only busy restraining myself, then what I'm going to give acro- what I'm going to give is going to come across very dry, and very not full of life, just very cold and calculated. A teacher can't be cold and calculated. You have to be calculated, but you can't come across as calculated. There has to be more compassion than calculation, and that's teferis beauty. It's kind of a blending. blend. It is a blend. Part. It is a blend. But it's the blend that leans towards chesed, and makes that the teaching. The student has to feel the loving side, not the restraining side. So there has to be restraining inside, but the student shouldn't know about that. And that's where Tiferes comes in to make sure that the right feelings are coming across. The powerful, the the more powerful one, the more dominant one is going to be Chesed by the time Tiferes is through with it. Okay? Um, at that point, when I want to give something over, there's going to be... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's going to be along the way... Um, uh challenges that have to be overcome, obstacles. Thank you, obstacles and challenges that have to be overcome. Now, whenever we talk about challenges and obstacles, there's two types of challenges. There's internal and external, and they're both obstacles. Um, any area in life when we want, we make a decision, we're going to do something. And I'm going to teach, or I'm going to give myself over. But then there's obstacles. And again, there's obstacles, external ones, because A happens and B happens, C happens, and then there's internal obstacles from our own self, our own weaknesses. Netzach and Hod are two middos that are both about overcoming challenges and obstacles. Um, Netzach, which means um, victory, is to overcome internal obstacles, which are usually the harder obstacles to overcome. External obstacles are external. Um, internal obstacles are internal weaknesses and failings. Yeah, I, I would love to teach, I would love to give, I would love to this, but all the buts, the internal ones, that's where netzach comes in. And I have to be victorious over my internal weaknesses that hold me back from the good decisions that I made to do. Hod literally means splendor, but that's the strength to be able to overcome everything else, everything outside. Um Why that's called splendor is, again, something I'm not going to go into right now, but splendor is something that's more external, that I do something in a very very beautiful way and everything sort of falls away. And that's what hod is. Yisod, which literally means foundation, yisod is the internal connection between the teacher and student. Yisod is always the connector. Because till now you know the the parent or teacher I love the child and I'm restraining myself and everything but it's all before the actual teaching actual teaching has to be there has to be a connection formed between teacher and student you can't compare a teacher who teaches a student face to face and connects versus sending a you know a cassette or no, traditional strings cassettes anymore but uh, yeah. a text <laughs> a voicemail right I say I, uh, I, uh, you know I gave over the information I gave, you know what when I, when I was a uh, when I was a student, the, uh, the example that they gave was of the, um, the teacher that couldn't make it to the class one day, so he just you know, recorded the class and sent the recording. Now, the students realized this is a good idea. They sent recorders to pick up the recording. So by the time the year was through, this was a, this was a routine that one, the teacher would put down one recorder and 40 students would put down 40 recorders, and this was the classroom. That's when you take the personal relationship out of teaching. And one can argue... The material was passed over, right? The the recording had everything I was gonna say and their recorders heard everything I was gonna say, so what's wrong? (laughs) What's wrong is there was no teacher and student. There was nothing personal that was able to be imparted over here. And learning the intellect that's being studied is a big part of what's being studied, but it's about what's being given over and how it's giving over in this people. It's not, we're not brains, we're human beings. And as human beings, what we learn has to be given and has to be received by a human from a human. And the deeper the connection is between the teacher and student, the more is being really taught and passed over. And that's all yisod. Yisod is that foundation, that connection between teacher and student. And malchus is the actual teaching. There's the connection, but that's why malchus many times called speaking. You actually have to talk. You have to say. You have to give. You have to, you can't, you can't be cheap with your words when you teach. You have to talk and you have to talk again and you have to explain. And that's the actual mechanism where it goes over from teacher to student. And that's the muscle. This is all an analogy that the Alter Rebbe draws in Tanya for the seven steps of the Midos. Of course, Midos are not only for teachers and Midos are not only in giving over a thought, but these are, he uses teaching as a way that he can incorporate all seven Midos in the actual step-by-step process of being a teacher, a loving teacher, who actually gives over good and powerful lessons to a student. These seven midos are really the way Hashem deals with the world. Hashem created the world using the seven midos. That's why there's seven days of creation. Every day of creation, one of those midos were the powerful one. On Sunday was chesed of Hashem, was the dominant midah. Sunday's a day of light, or Hashem's chesed. Monday was severity or restraint. On Monday, Hashem created, there's heaven and there's earth. A Tuesday was Tiferes. Throughout the seven days, and Shabbos and malchus, right? which is malchus, which is, which is royalty. So the midos of Hashem are Hashem's building blocks. And He gave those building blocks for us to play with too. And that's our midos. And how we build. Hashem created worlds we create worlds with other people. We can create, we can destroy. These are the building blocks that Hashem used and He gave it to us. And in this point in Davening, what Davan was saying, L'cha Hashem, all of these come from you. Real chesed, real gvura comes from Hashem, is Hashem's, and that's what he says over here. Kichol b'ashamayim b'voretz, kabbalistically the word kichol, those who like gematria, is the gematria of the word yesod is kichol. Bashamayim of is the connection of heaven and earth. That's yesod, which is connection. L'cha Hashem to you is royalty and kingdom and so on. Very interestingly, our our time is really up, but one one, one last point here. Let's go to Nehemia's part of Vayivarach David, right? We said, this paragraph is shared by David Hamalach and Nehemia. They're the builders of the two holy temples, or the ones who Brought us to the state of building the dual temples. In Nehemiah's part, he talks about well, again. He talks about so many things, and really, there's too much here. I, I can't skip this. So we're gonna next week. We're gonna start. We're gonna talk about Nehemiah's part of of David. Some very beautiful ideas. But I want to talk about for a moment the beginning of the next paragraph. V'charos imo habris. Hashem made a covenant with Avram Avinu. This is still from Nehemiah. To give us the land of Israel, which is the land of how many nations? Seven. 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 Notice. We talk about Hashem's seven midos. And then we talk about the seven nations of the land of Israel that Hashem is giving to us. And he gave, made this covenant to Avraham Avinu, that those seven nations that, in, that inhabited the land of Israel will be given over to the Jewish people and that will become Eretz Yisrael. Obviously, there's no thing as chance and it's not just random, the numbers of seven. According to Hasidus, the seven nations that inhabited the land of Israel represents the seven negative Midos. Because just like we have a godly soul that's built in the image of Hashem and has seven holy Midos, We have an animal soul. And those very same seven midos that can be used for holiness and to build can be used for animal reasons and to destroy. And love could be beautiful and building from a parent to a child or in any form, and it could be the most devastating and cruel thing, as can severity, obviously, and beauty. When Hashem promised Avram that the seven nations that are currently in the land of Israel will be given over to you, what He was really saying is the promise that we have the ability to transform our negative Midos into holy Midos. Our seven negatives, negative love for positive love, negative severity for positive severity, negative beauty. And that was really the, the deeper level of the promise for Avram. Just like the land of Israel, before the Jewish people lived in it, the people who lived there were the most immoral and the most paganistic and that was going to be transformed to make it Eretz Yisrael and that's what was going on so the beginning David HaMelech's prayer talking about the seven midas of Hashem really is culminated by Nechemia which Hashem says that although we know the other side also we have the other side that can be ultimately the power of Kedusha is promised that it will be victorious and we will have the ability and not only the ability we will actually transform all those negative sides into something positive as well